one of the things that is uh, so important to understand is that um, you end up in life facing situations. Everyone faces a situation. Everyone faces something new. And uh, we were singing, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. And that's a lovely song to sing, isn't it? Great. But what does it mean? It's all very well to sing, but what do you really mean by it? And what does it mean to you? And um, one of the worst things in a Christian's life and one of the things that really saps people is discouragement. People get discouraged. And they really get discouraged for all the wrong reasons. See, things don't always go the way you expect in life, do they? Hmm? If you walk through a countryside, you're going to find there's going to be rivers, ravines, mountains. A anytime you walk, if you go walking, there's always things there that are going to obstruct you. If you walk through a wood, there are trees that have fallen over. There's always things to obstruct you. And in life, you go through life and there are things that basically seem obstructive, there's things that seem awkward, and really your response to life is dictated by your faith. I find so many people, as soon as they find something goes wrong in life, they get discouraged. They don't live in faith anymore. They get down, they get depressed, they get, why did God let this happen? Why that? And they haven't got answers. And I thought it'd be good this morning just to give you a few answers. Um, so that you know that God is mighty. Hey, God hasn't forgotten you. There are ways to live and there are ways not to live. There are principles to work with and there are principles that will destroy you. And generally speaking... Uh, I was talking to a group yesterday. One of the things that's deadly in any life is sympathy. You do not need sympathy. All right? Turn to the person next to you. Say, the last thing in your life you need is sympathy. I want to tell you what happens with sympathy. You won't change. When people are sympathetic... The last thing you'll do is change. In fact, you'll begin to wallow in their uh, so-called concern. That's why I hate it when I find groups get together to wallow in their failure. God didn't intend that. See, Jesus Christ came to lift us up. It's amazing how birds of the feather flock together. It's amazing how people get together who have the same attitude to life and failures like to associate with failures because they feel secure in being a failure. People who, there are, there are people who are bitter who like to associate with bitter people, they feel more comfortable. 
There are people who like to be depressed. It's their gift. They go around and they're miserable. And they don't like someone who's joyful, so they'd prefer to find people who are miserable. There are complainers who like to complain. They'll always find someone who's of their ilk to complain with. That's their gift. Not a gift of God, but it's just their gift. And there are moaners, aren't there? And then there are sick people that like to get together with other sick people so they can discuss their symptoms and sympathize with each other. And then they call it helping. It doesn't help you to have someone sympathize. All it does is entrench you in what's wrong. And I want to go to the Bible this morning and challenge all of you. Uh, it's, if you want to know what this sermon's called, it's called, Wake Up! Sunday morning. You want a wake-up call, don't you? Hello? You want a wake-up call? You know, it's time to wake up, isn't it? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to have some fun this morning. And if you're not careful, I'll pick on you. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15. Oh, no, let's take... Um, Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That's our confession. You've got to hold it fast. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, that's our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need one thing you need to come to god for is to find grace to help in time of need now if there wasn't going to come in your life a time of need you wouldn't need to come boldly to the throne of grace for help, would you? Hello. So in everyone's life, there comes a time when you need the grace of God to help. There's a time when your efforts and your abilities are going to run out and, hey, you need help. And that's why the throne of grace is there. God wants to help in time of need. And he understands, and this high priest we have understands in time of need exactly what you need. That's good to know, isn't it? And the most amazing thing is the last person people come to in time of need is God. He's kind of the end of the list. Now for a Christian who's spirit-filled, the first person you go to in time of need is God. And you don't come meekly. And you don't come whiningly. You're meant to come how? Boldly. 
Why are you bold? Because you know when you come in time of need, there's abundant grace for you. When things get tough, they say, the tough get going. But where do they get going to? They need to get going to God. Hey, I, I'm coming to you. Look. God blesses messes. If you get in a mess, the best place to go is God, isn't it? Hello? And that's the last place people approach. I, I want to talk about it because um, it, it occurs to me that it would really get some of you out of the pit you're in. People get discouraged. There's no point in getting discouraged. If you're discouraged, I'll tell you the only thing you'll do, you'll make everyone else around you miserable. <coughs> how could this happen? I'll tell you how it happens, because time and chance happens to every man. And there's a time in your life when you need help. Say, God, well, I don't know. And then things don't go the way you want them to go, and you get a bit discouraged, and you say, I can't understand why. And then you come to church and you sing, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. But the last thing, he might be in the midst of us, but the last thing he is, is in the midst of your life. If people will look at you, God's not mighty for you. You're a blob of self-pity. And all you want is someone to sympathize with you. Came to the wrong place. This is a Christian church. But our God has come to help in time of need. And so I, I'm looking at everyone who's needy. In any area of your life, if you're discouraged, this word is for you. Now the first bit of it is really going to upset you. I just want to warn you. So if you don't want to be upset any more than you are because you're already discouraged, now's the time to clear off. Escape while you can, because it's going to get worse. When you look at the Bible, it diagnoses the problem. You know, when you go to a doctor, they're meant to diagnose the problem. Usually they don't. They give you a bottle of pills and say, try those. Come back next week, they'll give you a different color. Try those. If you're still alive by the third week, they'll give you a different color again. I mean, they're not, they don't really do what they should do, which is find out what's wrong. Afraid that's the way it is. Interesting, you know. People neglect. But when you come to the Bible, God never neglects. Very specific. I love the Bible. Can't go wrong if you have the book. Um, turn with me to 1 Samuel, chapter 30. I want to go to 1 Samuel. funny place to go I want to go back to an old story in the Old Testament lots of people love to live in the Psalms they say oh you know David King David um, there's some people that have written books you know worship how David lived it worship how David prayed worship how David well, as far as I'm concerned, worship is obedience, doing what God says, not singing slow songs. 
Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. How about that? I meet a lot of people who when something goes wrong, and the reason it went wrong, you'll find is in verse 1 and 2, came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So when David... And they come back and they find they were out fighting a war. They come back and the Amalekites have sneaked in and they've attacked this city, burned it with fire and taken the wives, the children, everything. And here are the great men of valor. Here are people, faith people, and the only thing they can think of doing is sitting down and crying. And they cried. And that is one thing, you know, I, I meet Christians that say, oh well, you know, you should weep with them that weep. True, Jesus said that. But that was prior to Calvary and it was prior to Pentecost. I hope you know when it was said and to whom it was said and why it was said. You see, Mary came into the garden and Jesus' question to her when she was slobbering around he said woman why weepest thou weep not faith turns you round sympathy says let's all sit down in a huddle together and have a little sob party now it's dangerous a weeping session is dangerous if you're one of these people that likes to cry I've got news for you it's not a good thing to do People say, oh, well, it's healthy to cry. Well, slam your fingers in the door occasionally then. <laughs> Glory to God. God doesn't want us weeping. He dries away all tears. You're meant to be in the new creation, not the old one. And here they were. They cried. And they cried and they cried until there was no more energy left to cry. They had a good cry. These are grown men of valor, mighty men, 600 of them. Ever seen a man cry? They all cry. How can you cry till you've got no more? You can't cry anymore. Now what I want to know is did it help them at all? Well, did it help them? Does crying ever help you? Well, does it? Does sympathy ever help you? No. You end up crying to be in the same place except you're more miserable. Crying doesn't make you happy, does it? Hmm? And having a load of people crying with you, it doesn't help you, does it? 
They're as miserable as you are when they've all finished. And here they are, they're professional criers. You meet them, they call them Christian intercessors. God deliver us from them. Oh, let's have a good whale. <laughs> hey, 2,000 years ago, Jesus conquered all the power of the enemy. He came to lift us up, not to knock us down. Grow up. It is not right. But David forgot the principles of God. You know, one of the Psalms, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, comes from the Psalms. Where was the God in the midst of them? Well, he cleared off because he didn't like to hear their crying. Goodness me. I mean, a lot of people, they think it, it's prayer. I meet people that want to cry and they say, Oh, I've had a tremendous time with the Lord. I'm married. I don't think it's a good thing to go greet your wife and cry on her. And then get her to cry on you. People say, do you have a nice time? You know, you had a special time together. Yeah, we cried. Rather go out for a Big Mac. At least would help. Stupid, isn't it? And here they were. Look at them. Look at them. Some of you are like this. I want you to know that. There's some of you. Now, you might not physically cry, you just moan. No one understands the way I am. Oh, everyone treats me bad. You don't know. How could he say that to me? How could she do this to me? How... You might not be tears, but you're crying all right. I love it. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive. And verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people's spake of stoning him. Now, let me tell you what happens. If you lead a crying church, you'll end up with them wanting to kill you. If you lead a group of people into mourning, in the end they'll want to kill you. Because people in the end are so miserable, the only future they have is death. And you, they didn't want to kill each other, they wanted to kill the leader. So if you ever want to lead anywhere, watch out if you lead people in self-pity. Because they'll turn on you and want to kill you in the end. Because after they've got no more power to weep, what else can they do? Polish off the leader. Now, that worried David. I mean, it's a risky business. When you've got 600 people who've cried themselves to nothing and a standstill, absolutely exhausted themselves with self-pity, exhausted themselves with... No, got nowhere. By the end of it, their wives were still captive. Their city was still burnt. Their children were still taken away. Hey, they've got a situation in their life. And instead of rising up, they all sat down. That's how a lot of people are in life. Soon as something goes wrong, 
they go down. They don't rise up. As soon as the enemy does something in their life, it's, oh, how could God let this happen to me? I don't understand. You know, it's not fair. It's not right. Well, life isn't fair and nothing's right. Things happen. You see, my Bible says we should come with boldness to the throne of grace in time of need. Unfortunately, Christians forget that that's where they should be going, with boldness, and they sit down and cry. And they say, well, how are you feeling? Terrible. What's the situation like? Worse. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you what. My friends around me are trying to kill me now. They came with sympathy and now they're trying to murder me with it. They're more depressed than I am. They want to wipe me out. They might not kill you by physical violence, but they'll kill you. Because sympathy never helps anyone. You do understand that. Being sympathetic doesn't help anyone at all. Pity and sympathy are the enemy of faith. Faith doesn't look at it like that, but here they are. <laughs> and they've got no more energy to cry. Who were they crying to? Each other. And then they decide, hey, let's kill this David. Let's stone him. Why were they going to stone David? They blamed him for the situation they were in. See, it's easy to blame someone else. You know you've got the victim mentality. Blame someone else. It's not your fault you're like you are. It's either God's fault or someone else's fault, your wife's fault, your husband's fault. That victim mentality always has an excuse. It's not, it's the economy, it's unemployment, it's this, it's that, things go down. Everyone wants to blame someone. No one wants to take responsibility. When you need help in time of need, what you need to realize is you got to the position you're in because you're you. And the only person that's going to get out of it's you. And you better wake up. If you sit down in it, you'll die in it. That's why in Psalm 23, it, David said, you know, and he forgot this. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The thing about a shadow of death is walk through it. The last thing you need to do is sit down and cry in it. Go through it. Because you're going to come out the other side. You've got God with you. Here's your comfort. Here's your strength. But that you don't need to sit down. I find so many people when difficulties come in life, when challenges come in life, they sit down in it and they give up. And I'm talking about Christians. 
What can I do? Well, I want to tell you, there's a God who comes to help in time of need. It comes with grace. You don't deserve help because you're a gibbering, self-pitying blob of horrible stuff. You don't need anything. But God has mercy on you. And he understands. See? That's what the Bible teaches. Say, so, oh, well. It's good to know, isn't it? Things go wrong in life. Not my fault. Are you one of those that blames someone else? Blames circumstances? Those aren't men of faith. They're not Christians. Do you want people to come and sympathize with you, understand you? Do you want people to gather around you and say, Oh dear, yeah, well we understand, oh it's tough. You big, horrible thing. And when you've cried enough, you've moaned enough. See, David managed to get all these 600 men crying away. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters and then it comes up but and here's the but when they got down to the pitch where they couldn't weep anymore and they had no more power to weep but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God you know, in the end, when you haven't got energy, energy to do anything else, it's amazing how you'll turn to God. When you've exhausted all possibilities, all sympathy, all human help, when you've exhausted everything, it's amazing how you're finally trying to encourage yourself. In, when you're in the pit and there's no hope and everything's black and everything's dark, it's amazing how people will turn to God then and say, why didn't they turn to God before they got in that state? Discouragement is the worst thing of all. If you look at circumstances, you look at what's happening, you can really get miserable, can't you? Huh? Look all around and Death and decay in all around I see. Yeah, lovely. Lots of people, they, they, they take real comfort in misery. See, emotion don't help you. Emotion is what the church is full of. I know people think... The only way to meet God is have a good cry. That's not meeting God, that's crying. You have an emotional freak out, but it's not God. You do understand that. God wants you to have faith. Faith is in his word.
And here's David, and he's come to the end of himself, and he's so discouraged, and everyone around him's discouraged, and he's at the pits, and then they're trying to kill him um, because they're so upset. You see, David had led them into war, into a battle, and they'd left their own town unguarded. Along come the Amalekites. The enemy's always looking for a time for the unguarded area of your life. Hey, and when something happens and you suddenly think, how did that happen? Uh, and the enemy comes in like a flood. What does the Lord do? He raises up a standard. Most Christians, when the enemy comes in, they begin to answer against God. They go down instead of rise up. And God wants us to be people that wake up. In life, you've got to wake up. And then he began to encourage himself. Look at this. I love it. <laughs> and David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me thither the ethod. And Abiathar brought thither the ethod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Glory to God. Hey, God doesn't intend you to suffer loss in life. Do you understand that? God, God's purpose... Time and chance happeneth to every man. Things go wrong. In time of help, God intends you to recover everything. In no way God's idea is you lose. You see, the man of faith is a man of victory. What do you expect in your life? Victory or defeat? Do you expect to live in victory or are you going to give in? God's promise, when he starts asking God, instead of, he gets out of his emotion, and he gets out of all the sympathy, and he gets out of everyone who spent all their energies depressing him. And they're so depressed, they decide to get rid of him and blame him. Because really, what they were doing was saying, David, you're our leader, you should never have let us let this town alone it wouldn't have been burnt our wives wouldn't have been grabbed our children wouldn't have been got and, and you it's your fault and they wanted to stone him for that and when he begins to seek God he asks God a question well what should I do when you're in life's need when you need help you better find out from God what God wants you to do don't ever go to man I'll tell you what man will do man will sympathize Man will tell you, well, you know, these things happen. Man will tell you, well, you've got to understand, you know, times are tough. <laughs> Sorry about it. Well, you know, that's just one. You can live like that or you can get up. You can give in or you can rise up. And that shows the difference between a man of faith 
on a man who just goes down. Well, what am I going to do, God? <laughs> what am I going to do? Shall I pursue them? I tell you what you always do. You, you better listen to this. Get up. Don't ever, if you're going to die, die standing. Don't ever die lying down. Our God is a mighty God. Amen. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is. He forgot it. Principle in life. Remember from whom your help comes. Doesn't come from man, it comes from him. Hmm? He woke up. Glory to God. There's something about waking up, isn't it? And then God makes a promise. And when God makes a promise, and I'll tell you, the promises of God are true. If you want to know what the ephod re represents today, it represents your Bible. He took the priestly garment. If you want to know where to get help, get it in the word of God. Don't get it in the word of men. Find out what God's saying. You'll find more encouragement in the word of God than you'll ever find in man. Man will give you sympathy. Man will give you... You don't need emotional sympathy. You don't need emotion. You need life. What God says is what counts. All right? Hello? You don't need any sympathy. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're never going to get sympathy from me. You don't need it. It'll destroy you. Sympathy is a wrecker. Really is. And that is a commodity in a humanistic society. To go around and tell people, well, it's not your fault, you know. Sympathy. That humanistic thing. It's not your fault. You're in your mess. Well, I want to tell you, you are what you are today because that's what you want to be. If you want to sit down and cry and moan, that's what you do. But it's time you got up. It's time you rose up. David, he rose up. If you want to sit in your sickness and bemoan your lot, say, well, that's it, you know, what can I do? This virus has got me. I remember a few years ago, I came back from Argentina, I got some stupid infection, and I suppose it was my own fault going to Argentina. I was in hospital, I felt awful. It's going to take you two years to recover. I said, I haven't got two years of my life to give away. Total bed rest. If you total bed rest for two years, at the end of two years, what are you going to be? I said, I'm not prepared to do that. I tell you what I did every day. I got up, I could hardly, I was so dizzy. I'd walk to the end of the bed, I'd walk back, I'd get in, I'd lie down, I'd get up. And they said, total, you know, you better not do anything. Hey! I wasn't going to live like that. Get up. If 
I'm going to die, let's die. So then I walk across the room, back and forth. Then I go up and down the passageway. Then I get outside the building and walk as far as I could, sit down at the chair, walk back. Hey, who was going to tell me it would take me two years? Never. God never intended us to sit under anything. He said, look, in time of need there's help. Ah, oh, but you don't know. I tell you, this God of mine created heaven and earth. All things are possible for my God. You don't have to lie under anything. Does that mean you'll never die? No, it doesn't mean I'll never die. When I'm going to die, I'll die. But at least I'll die standing. I believe... Fight the good fight of faith. Amen? In every area of your life, in business, there are people with always excuses for why they fail. I, I, I've seen people who, who fail because they're unteachable. They don't want to learn. They won't learn from God. And so they live their life failures. And that's the only thing they succeed in is failing. <laughs> And it's never their fault. God doesn't intend that for us. Jesus Christ came to lift us out of the miry clay. He set our feet upon a rock. He intends us to be world transformers. He intends us to be people that change things. Don't intend us to be people go along with the flow. I don't go with the flow, I go against the flow. The way of the world leads to destruction. The way to life is glorious. I'm not going to just go and accept things. Oh, whatever will be, will be. I'm not like that. What I believe in is what God says will be. Stand in the midst of all the lies and all the things and say, my God is able. Hmm? Who's in control? My God is in control. Too often Christians, they just bow to anything. And then let's have a good cry about it. We're losing our liberty. Well, look at the children in schools. We're losing. Hey, I'll tell you what I did. When I saw what schools were doing to children, I said, not for my children. I don't care what it takes. My children will not suffer that. Bang. Why? Because I wasn't going to sit down and accept what everyone said had to be. I was going to change it. And that's what people do when they're Christians. They're changers, world changers, world shakers. They're not afraid. They're not wanting to go and get in a big huddle say well you know ha, 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 ha. let's all cry till we can cry no more rise up don't you dare sit down and just bemoan nothing can be done something can change if you're one who stands up one man can change a nation 
Don't ever believe that it's impossible that the tide is so much against God and against God's word that nothing can change. I want to tell you, it took one man with a rod in his hand and he stretched it forth and the waters parted. And every enemy drowned that day. Don't ever think that our God is not able. Don't ever think that the Pharaoh that sits on the world throne is the one who's in charge. My God is able to wipe out every one of his firstborn in a moment. Our God is a God of miracles. Don't look at your life situation and say, well, you don't know, it's impossible. It isn't. Because the impossible becomes possible when God comes into the equation. Don't ever let faith sleep out of your door and say, well, I can't do anything. You can do something. You can do what you can do. And what you can't do, the God of miracles will do for you. But he expects you to stand up. Find out his will. Find out his word, his principle, and start to live by it. A lot of people in life, they have no more energy to cry. See? I'm someone who says, when people tell me it's impossible, watch out. You've got a tiger by the tail, I tell you. Something born in me by the Holy Ghost. I remember years ago, I was over, it was while I was in Argentina, they said to me that Tucumán was a city up in the mountains. They said, God will never move there. Whew! If you say that to me, you're in trouble. Don't go there. It's no point in going. I said, I'm going. People I was with, they wouldn't even give me an interpreter. I threw in an interpreter from Paraguay. I said, I'm going. There is nowhere on earth where the power and the life of God will not be displayed. Don't you ever think, when the devil, hey, he doesn't control nothing, he's finished, he's in trouble. When you arrive in a place, the devil is trembling. He'll try and discourage you. Tell you, oh no, it can't be. I'll tell you, I went up there to Tucumán. I, I went to a hotel. I got the most terrible stomach trouble. Goodness me, I thought I was going to die. I stood in the middle of the night about 3 o'clock in the morning. I stood up, I said, God, I came here because they said it's impossible. I went to the church that morning. Well, it was evening. But everything in my being stirred. It wasn't long before the power of God was displayed. Hey, there's nowhere dark on earth. You get all discouraged. We can rise up like a man. Depends what God you worship. The God of your own intellect or the God of heaven. The God of your emotions 
or the God of creation. Tell you by that night God came, people were met, miracles happened. Why? The next day they walked five hours to get to the meetings. They came across the mountains, these Indians that would never come. They came, they sat. We started the meeting at 10 by 3 o'clock. The power of God had come. The meeting was still going on. God was meeting people everywhere. Huh. I was one of the times when I, I put my hand on the interpreter. I put it on his shoulder. He went down under the power and he was the only one that spoke English gone. I couldn't get him up. I tried. Gone. Tell you what happened, I carried on speaking in English. They carried on speaking in Spanish. I understood every word they said, they understood every word I said. At the end of it they came up and said they were amazed, they, they couldn't understand why I used an interpreter. I spoke Spanish so well. I looked at them and they said they were amazed I could understand. I, I didn't know what they were saying. I turned the interpreter and they couldn't believe it because they heard me speaking Spanish. I wasn't, I was speaking English. I'm an Englishman. I could understand, but God did beautiful miracles. They said to me, they'd never seen the power of God move, and yet people had told me, oh well, nothing will happen. I tell you, there is nowhere in the earth that people don't need the gospel. There's nowhere in the earth that God's power isn't. Hey, my God, the earth is his footstool. There's nowhere where he, he isn't. Don't ever get this idea, oh, you know, that's a dark, place. There's no dark place. The whole of the earth is full of the glory of the presence of God. Just depends whose eyes you have. See it God's way. Huh. Maybe I'm digressing. It doesn't matter. Anyway, let's go on. It, uh, verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Isn't that a great promise? Without fail, you're going to get everything back. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Basor, where those that were left behind stayed. And David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook, Basor. They couldn't get over. They were just too... Do you know why there were 200 left behind exhausted? Do you know why? Because they had cried so much and expended so much... Do you know the trouble with a lot of Christians? They spend so much energy sympathizing with themselves... But when it comes to actually dealing with the enemy, they're exhausted. When it comes to faith, they've cried themselves to a standstill. And so, when they do start to pursue the enemy, they end up sitting down too exhausted to get over a little brook. We've got to be men. 
Christianity is for men, not for mice. Quit yourself like a man. If you want to cry, you'll end up... Left. Now, if all that 200 you'll find if you read on. I don't want to read on. But that 200, they all shared in the spoils of the war. They got everything back. And David said, those that stay behind who are too exhausted... He said, we'll still share the spoils of war with you. Don't worry. <laughs> so the 200 didn't suffer loss. They were just too exhausted. But there's a nice little story here. You remember the story how they meet an Egyptian who's so exhausted he's, he's actually dying. And they, they give him, you know, something that I would never have eaten. They give him figs. Look, uh, verse 11. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. Could you imagine that? His spirit came against him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant of, to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days are gone, I fell sick. Now, do you notice David had mercy on someone? Listen, no matter how desperate your situation, along the way when you rise up to do something, you'll always find someone weaker than you, someone who needs help. One of the best things you can do to strengthen your own spirit is to help other people that are weaker than you. Don't sympathize with them. You can help them. Hey, they had to make this man drink water. It wasn't that he was willing to. They made him do it. He was sick. That's why they administered the figs. Um, he was ill. Three days. His master had dumped him. Devil dumps people down the road. You come in life, you find they're in a mess, help them. Don't get so, so self-centered in your own needs that you forget there are other people along the way. You can help them. You might need to go yourself and win, but you can always help someone. Strengthen them. Don't destroy them. Don't ignore them. Because even though you're going, you'll find the greatest minister to faith is helping someone else. I'll show you how that works. Look, look with me. To keep your finger there a second. You know, or your thumb. Or your toe. And turn to Job. Job. You know that book, Job? No, you don't know it. You'll find it before Psalms if it hasn't changed its position. In Job 42. Job 42. And the Lord, verse 10, and the Lord turned again the captivity of Job. And that in the Hebrew is reversed his fortunes. The Lord reversed the fortunes of Job. 
when he prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. One thing I want to say to you about Job, a lot of people talk about Job. They talk about suffering and they justify suffering according to the book of Job. All right? It's chapter 42, Job is before Psalms. Chapter 42, verse 10. Here, here, here they are. And Job comes to... I never find people want to preach about what happened to Job at the end. Job went through a couple of years of trial and hardship, but he stuck to his God. His wife said to him, curse God and die. Job didn't curse God and die. Job believed his God and he said, though he slay me, slay me yet will I trust him that's faith not sitting down the friends came to, to bemoan and to encourage him in self pity he wouldn't have any of it at the end Job suffered loss but God restored to him twice as much as he had before if you go through any trial I want to tell you what's going to happen at the end you're going to be a double portion better off than you were when you began. God is no man's debtor. If you go through a trial in life, God is not going to cause you to languish in poverty. Job, he was a rich man. The devil said, Ha, hath Job served God for naught? He allowed him to touch everything but his life. Then you don't touch that. Disease came, children lost everything. But at the end of the day, God gave Job double everything he had. Do understand, our God might let us walk through trials, but it, the trial is just a trial. God will always multiply you. God will never let you suffer loss permanently. It's always victory. And Job learnt it. He learnt what David learnt. When you see someone, by the way, even though you're going to pursue and you've got the word of God to go and conquer, he still had time for someone who was in need. Lifted him up, strengthened the Egyptian. All right? Do you understand that? Lots of people, they like to live in Job, but they never get to the end of Job. They never tell you, well, Job went through all those trials. If you're going through all those trials, when are you expecting your victory? When you get out of your self-pity and you start, stop from wallowing in self-pity and telling everyone how bad people have treated you and how unfair life is and how difficult this is and how it's not your fault. When you grow up and you rise up, and you start, instead of self-centeredness, realize there's a God in heaven, and you start coming boldly to him, I'll tell you what happens. Everything gets turned around, and you get a double portion. 42, verse 10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when? When he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job what? Twice as much as he had before. 
If you're like Job, the only thing I want to know is do you end up with twice as much as you had before? If you don't, don't ever say you're like Job. Ah, that's our God, isn't it? Hmm? Go back with me to um, uh, 1 Samuel 30. I just, just want to finish it. I, it you know, the, the book excites me. There, there's things in the book. You, it's good story, isn't it? Huh? This wasn't, you, you know, the story, there's stories in there like Saul. He ended up dead, you know, stuck on a wall. That's not a good place to be. Plastered to a wall. But I like, I, I like stories of victory, don't you? Huh? Where it's real victory, see? Don't, don't, don't ever listen to the ones that aren't real victory because you get mixed, mixed up, see? But verse 23. And then, uh, you can read this in your own time, you know. Read this. It's a good story. Encourage you. But just, I, I just, and then said David, "You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike." I tell you, one thing you do is share the good of your victories with other people. When God blesses you, make sure the blessing is shared. Don't hog it to yourself. One of the things that so robs people of life is they get blessing and they think it's just for them. Hey, when God blesses you and gives you double, you can lift up other people, can't you? Huh? You don't have to just say, oh, I, you know, well... Uh, I fought for it. There are other people that just didn't even come to the battle. Well, why should they benefit? Hey, everyone should benefit. That's why a church, when it goes on, if one member suffers, all members suffer. If one member's honoured, all honoured. See? We're members one of another, aren't we? Huh? And therefore, victory is a glorious thing. That's why you should always be glad. If someone's blessed and someone triumphs, don't get the British attitude, oh, look at him, successful. Give glory to God because your success is coming. Someone's really lifted up by God, give glory to God. He'll lift you up in due time if you're not an arrogant pig. And if you are an arrogant pig, you don't need to be lifted up. You need to be roasted. Oh. Good. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Huh? Isn't it a lovely story? See, David shared. He said, look, there were there 200 that stayed behind looking after the stuff. They, they'll share in the spoils of victory, just like us. We're not going to make a difference. But David says, come on. Even though they stayed behind, they were right to the victory. Victory sport. Hey, the devil don't deserve anything. God is our God. Amen.
He said, God preserved us. God gave us the victory. Hey, all we have is of God, isn't it? I want to tell you, God built this place. Our God is a man of war. We're not there to bow down and say, oh, we give in. We're there to rise up and say, our God is able. When the three children of Israel, you remember they got, Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, you're going into the fiery furnace. They said, well, we're not going to bow down to you. How God's able to deliver us. Amen. Don't you ever get this idea of Christianity being weak. My Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. You rise up. Amen. I don't know what your situation is. Each one of you. I know some of you. I don't know what you're facing. One thing I do know, it's time to stop crying. It's time to stop bowing down and lift up your feeble hands and strengthen your feeble knees and get up and say, hey, I'm going to take hold of my life. My God is able to change everything. My God is able. That's the way to live. Ah, but you don't understand. I do. I'll tell you how poverty comes. A little sitting down, a little folding of the hands, poverty comes. Never make an excuse. Get up. Use your energies. Use your abilities. Use your giftings. Get up and do something. Don't you blame society. You're the problem. My God is able. Hmm? What a God we have. What a God we serve. Amen? All sorts of things have happened in my life. People have told me you can't. Tell you what, when I started the school, they said to me, you'll never be able to do A-levels. Why not? You'll never be able to successfully run a school. Why not? Why, we're 12th in the whole country now in our exam results of every private school in a top 12. That's something to be proud of, isn't it? The impossible's possible with our God. You just laugh at impossibilities. Say it shall be done. In your life, in your situation, in anything that seems impossible, you have the God of the impossible. Spent too long crying. Too long feeling sorry for yourself. It's time to grow up and quit you like a man. Hmm? Time to change. Time to stop blaming everyone else. Time to take the challenges of life. Life's exciting. God, there's so much you can do. So much potential. Our God says all things are yours. Everything. Everything you need is yours. What potential we have, eh? I tell you what, the world better watch out. We're coming. 
They better watch out. They're in trouble, not us. Be not discouraged. You know, time after time, angels came and they said, come on. My Jesus is never discouraged. You've got the Spirit of Christ in you. You never live in discouragement. If you live in discouragement, you've got the wrong spirit in you. You need it driven out of your body. Get the right Holy Ghost. Wonderful. Wonderful potential, isn't there? Huh? Glory. Put your hand on your chest. Ha! Huh! Say, devil, you're in trouble. Devil, you're in trouble. Because I'm here. I'm here to change things. My God is able. Amen. You know, you you do, you come with boldness. What a what what a God we serve. Huh? I I just I just I, I, we were singing the Lord thy God in the midst of these mighty. I, I, everything stirred up. I was singing that word. Everything stirred up in me this morning. I thought, yeah, he is. <sighs> Glory to God. Isn't it wonderful? You see the opposition and you think God's going to give everything. The devil don't steal anything from me. Everything's coming back my way. Double! Got faith to believe God? Are you going to... Uh, 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 come cry with me. Come cry. i got no more energy. I can't cry no more. <laughs> I cry myself to a standstill. And then you blame the pastor. Grow up. Rise up. Take hold of your God. Take hold of your life. Take hold of your circumstances. Can be different. My God is able. Lord, I deserve a double portion of everything. If I've been through a trial, I expect double at the end. Is that your expectation? It's mine. My God. He's on my side. Hmm? Uh. Woman, why weepest thou? What you're crying for? <laughs> I don't know where to put the body. And Jesus is standing in front of her. I don't know where to put the body. Because she thought he was a gardener. She was so full of tears she couldn't even see clearly. Eyes all red. Bloodshot. <laughs> she couldn't see. I tell you, one of the problems with people that 
cry and call it spiritual, they call it intercession. It's not intercession, it's unbelief. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Tears didn't get Jesus out of the grave. The tears of those great men of valor, 600 of them, it didn't help them one little bit. It's time the church woke up. Women to be men of faith. Time to put away pity, sorrow. Time to put away the wrong things. Stand up. Get a word of God in your heart and begin to take possession of what God has given. He freely gives us all things that pertain to life ungodliness. Amen? Isn't that good? <sighs> you know, God don't like wimps. Hmm. Likes men. And you women don't think you can be a wimp? How dare you? Grow up. Tell you if you if you do as I tell you this morning, come boldly. You've got a need in your life and you want help, come boldly. Go, oh God. <laughs> That's not faith. Glory to God. You'll give me back everything the enemy's taken out of my life. You'll restore double. What a promise. Amen? How does he do it? By his miracle power. How did he deliver the children of Israel? By his miracle power. How does he keep us? By his miracle power. Our God is a miracle God. You say, well, how can it work? The circumstances. Circumstances don't matter. It's God who matters. He'll transform them in a second because he's mighty. Amen? Great story, isn't it? Hidden away. Hmm. My God is good. Stand up. Ah. God is good all the time. Amen. There's no problem. It's never too late for God. My God is able. I love him. Oh, how I love him. He's my everything. See, it's just where your focus is. Is your focus on your circumstances or is your focus on God? If it's on the circumstances, you'll cry. If it's on God, you'll rejoice.
my God is able to do exceeding abundantly far above all we can ask or even think. Do you believe it this morning? Or do you believe your natural reason? Do you live in the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Do you live in an understanding of who and what he is? Or are you restricted by your own puny self-pity? It's time to step out of failure into success. Step out of fear into life. Step out of the wrong into the right. That's why faith comes. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. It's a word of faith that I preach to you. If you listen and do it, it'll transform your life. That's where faith comes from, the word of God. His word is mighty. Amen? Let's pray. Close your eyes. Don't look around. You know, each one of you that's here this morning, God can apply by his spirit that word into your heart and life. As areas in your life, you've let the enemy come in, you've let him rob you, you've let him terrorize you, you've let him bring fear and doubt. You've let him... <laughs> Time to rise up from your self-pity. Time to rise and say, my God is able. It's time to come boldly to God and say, hey, I don't have to live with this anymore. Devil has no rights. My God has given me the right. I will not seek for sympathy anymore. I'll rise. I'll arise. I'll come to him who's ready to help in time of need. Grace is sufficient. It flows. Time to take possession of my life, of my circumstances. Time to realize the truth. It's not time for emotion. This is time for faith. Father, I just pray to each one here. I pray for each one, Lord. Quicken this word to every heart. Lord, let that life, that spirit of life begin to rise within each one. My, you're my mighty God. I'm not going to bow down anymore. I'm going to rise up. 
I'm going to stand before my God with boldness. You're able to do more exceeding, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think. Can you say that this morning? If you know there's things in your life and the Holy Ghost has quickened it to you, I want you to come out from where you're sitting right down the front here, but don't come with tears, come with boldness. You're coming to a God who says it's going to be different. You're coming to a God who says, you come, don't worry about anyone else. It's time to leave your failure behind. Leave your fears behind. Time to stand up and say, this is the end, devil. This is the end, enemies of my soul. This is the end. I'm going to believe my God. Let the weak say, I am strong. I'm not weak anymore. Why? I've got a God who lives within. He's on my side. I'm coming for victory. Lord, you said there's grace to help in time of need. I'm coming boldly to you this morning. I'm not coming crying. I'm not coming with emotion. I'm coming with faith. What you've done for others, you can do for me. The tribe of Judah has prevailed over every enemy. Every enemy. The devil was defeated 2,000 years ago. I want to tell you, he rules, he reigns. His name is Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Mighty God. Over every disease, over every sickness, over every bondage, over every circumstance, the Lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. He's risen. He conquered everything. He's a good God. Amen.